One of the pioneers of animation was Vladislav Staderwich, a Polish-Russian filmmaker who did stop-motion films using dead insects with metal wire legs. Some of his first few films, made in 1910, were dark comedies about the family life of cockroaches. And uh, yes, he used real dead cockroaches as puppets when doing those films. His films gave birth to the art of animation in Russia and were so revolutionary that they earned him a decoration from the Tsar himself, Nikolai II. Starovich continued to do films with dead animated insects, but fled from Russia after the revolution in 1917. His cockroaches were possibly the first insect movie stars, and they have been followed by thousands of other creepy crawlies throughout film history. For example, any film involving Old Testament stories of Egyptian pharaohs being cursed are sure to involve one specific insect, the locust. Creating locust swarms is best made with VFX, because it can be tricky to train millions of insects to do exactly as you want, and uh, stop motion animating them one by one would be, well, even trickier. In the early locust films they probably used glass paintings, double exposures and other classic visual tricks. In our day and age we luckily have computers. In the latest season of the successful drama series Outlander, that classical plague of Egypt is used with great effect in episode 6, when millions of locusts darken the skies for the colonists of North America in the 1700s. Goodbye Kansas has a long history of creating digital animals of all sizes, and was happy to jump on the insect train and create these locust effects. So today, the yellow brick road leads to the world of insects on film and TV. Creepy Crawly VFX. I'm Nils Lagergren and this is of course the friendly little Swedish podcast Yellow Brick Road where we talk about visual effects, movies and games. In these uncertain corona times we are of course practicing social distancing so we decided to record this episode over Google Hangout so please excuse us for a not so perfect sound quality in this episode. Uh, and today we're going to roll out the red carpet and give some limelight to those small, often neglected six-legged movie stars, the insects, and other creepy crawlies, of course. So joining me from their homes are three experts from Goodbye Kansas in Stockholm. Lime producer Alexander Danell, CG supervisor Hannes Drossel, and senior compositing artist Carl Riede. Welcome! Thank you. Thank you very much. I hear you loud and clear <laughs> over the internet. <laughs> so all of you are working at home? Yes. yes. Good. Uh, Hannes, you've been at Yellow Brick Road before uh, when we discussed demons on film, but, but you, Alexander and Carl, you haven't. So, so let's start with that classic question. How did you find your way into this lovely business? Uh, let's start with Alexander. Um, I kind of fell into the business, um, not by mistake, I would say, but I was, I was stuck in a job that I didn't really like for, uh, for way too long and decided I needed a change. Uh, and I studied media and film has always been my absolute biggest interest and something I wanted to work with, but never really thought it was something you can do in, in Sweden. 
Um, but I decided to make a change, so I applied to a few, what do you call it, colleges, would be the English equivalent, I guess, um, in various terms of filmmaking. Um, mm. And I got into two schools. Uh, one was uh, Campus I-12, and one was another one which was more focused on straight-up video production and editing. And I decided to go to Campus I-12 and uh, studied compositing and did that for a year and a half until I ended up at my internship at Goodbye Kansas roughly a little bit more than two years ago now. And I have stayed ever since. And it's lovely to have you here. <laughs> I love being here. I finally found my place. <laughs> good. Job to a new job that I actually enjoyed. Oh, great. And you, Carl? Yeah, for, for me, I think it all started during my high school years. Actually, I started getting interested in photography and uh, imagery in general and started experimenting with Photoshop and After Effects and some 3D Studio Max and other programs as well. And uh, this was a nice creative outlet for me because it had nothing to do with what I studied during my high school years. Like I was studying programming, which I have a huge, like it's a huge benefit to have those knowledges today as well. And then after I graduated, I took on a job in manufacturing and worked as a powder coder. And I realized quite fast that this is nothing that I want to do for an extended period of time and started to look for university courses and found uh, the same education that Alex went to and applied for compositing and studied there for two years. And I've been working with this since then. And that was like 12 years ago. So no more, no more powder coating then? <laughs> no more powder coating for me. I'm done with that. That's it, I'm out of here. Okay, so let's talk about Outlander, the Stars Sony Pictures drama hit series. Goodbye Kansas has worked on three seasons so far, and the production has been firmly based in London at Goodbye Kansas UK studio. The Goodbye Kansas VFX work for season five was helmed by VFX supervisor Jim Parsons and VFX producer Desiree Ryden, and included no less than 175 VFX shots. Some of these included insects, locusts, and for some of those locust shots, teams in both London and Stockholm collaborated to create the visual magic. The locust sequence appear in episode 6, so if you haven't seen it yet, press pause or leave, because there will be spoilers. T- tell us, what, what's the sequence about? So the sequence is, we have our main characters of, of the show. They are aware of the fact that there is going to be a swarm coming in of locusts. And they're trying to figure out how can we deal with this menace coming. As they fly, swarms join up with other swarms to form gigantic plagues several billion strong and as much as 40 miles wide. They will consume every edible thing that lies in their path. And uh, since this is a show about time traveling and uh, people might be more knowledgeable than people were back in the days, they do come up with an idea that smoke is something that can help them out with trying to get all the locusts to disappear or not attack the crops that they are trying to defend. So we have uh, a lot of uh, people out on the field adding out the smoke pots and lighting pyres and doing anything in preparation to see if they can 
deal with this uh, war coming. Then eventually this war is, uh, I don't know how much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it appears. <laughs> It appears, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so the swarm uh, eventually attacks and uh, chaos ensues, uh, so to speak. Mm. So, so Hannes, uh, how did you approach the VFX work? Uh, well, we started uh, doing uh, a lot of research, looking at references of how these uh, locusts uh, behave and how fast they fly, what speed the wings flap, how they swarm, all that stuff uh, is really important just to get things to look realistic. Like uh, we watched a lot of uh, Planet Earth documentaries as well because there are some really, really nice shots there with uh, David Attenborough mm. narrating. Uh, that's uh, that's really fun, and it also I, I hope it, it shows in the in the end result as well that we did the research. <clears throat> but but it's like is it both like like closer shots of of them and these epic big ones of the yeah, cloud? Yeah. Okay. So in the in the in the episode it starts out with just a few of them coming here and there, and then that was uh, hand animated hmm. by our keyframe artists. Uh, later they appear in greater and greater numbers, and and that we approached. Uh, by using effects so we we used houdini to have uh, sort of like a swarming behavior mm. eventually they appear in uh, a very large number like millions and, mm. and that we handled a bit differently uh to be able to more art direct the shape and form uh, of, of the swarm basically so uh it was a uh, on a shot by shot basis what kind of solution we used for for the swarms mm. uh, i mean uh, do you have like animation cycles for each and every locust then uh no uh, we basically used one cycle mm. which was the flap <laughs> i think we had like five flaps in a in a loop mm. uh and that what's used throughout the uh, the episode but we were really uh, like meticulous about uh, getting because the, the flapping is so fast it happens over one flap is uh, shorter than one frame basically mm. so we uh, we were meticulous about uh, having a, a nice motion blur in between those frames so so we actually see the the shape of the wing even though it's uh, flapping really fast yeah but I mean, in these wide shots, when you see millions of them, they don't need to be animated uh, as individuals, do they? Uh, it's just... Okay. Uh, no, uh, no, those are uh, simulated. So mm. we uh, basically, we, or the effects artist in this case, mm. he, uh, he made a system for... for um, how would you say it's it's points mm. it's only the positions of the locus they are simulated to to move and not not uh, collide with each other uh, avoid each other and avoid the ground <laughs> for the really wide shots we only rendered the points actually mm. there's no locust uh, uh, geometry on those they're just points with uh, with a color yeah, uh, basically. You mentioned that that, that uh, the sequence also involves smoke. Was that effects as well, or was it real smoke? 
uh, most of it was uh, FX smoke, so we simulated a couple of different uh, elements. There are these pyres, uh, these um, triangle cha cone-shaped uh, things mm. with the branches and stuff. We simulated a bunch of smoking pyres. Mm. And they also have these pots, which were filled with, uh, I don't know, uh, shit and uh, fat, I think. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, they did. I think they mix goose fat and uh, like cow dung or something. Wow. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So we created a bunch of those as well. And uh, uh, yeah, and then placed all over the fields. Uh, but I think, and Carl knows this better, I think we used some filmed uh, uh, elements as well. Yeah, we actually used quite a lot of filmed smoke elements because like, one of the trickier parts for us in the compositing department for this show was that the amount of smoke that was in the footage that we got for for this episode was like the, the amount of smoke was very different from shot to shot so a lot of work mm. had to be done to even that out for continuity like so it doesn't feel like the amount of smoke over the field varies from shot to shot and uh, since it's way easier to add more smoke rather than removing smoke where there is smoke in the plates we ended up adding a lot of smoke uh, just to get the con continuity to work yeah but but isn't it always good to have like real things as well like the real smoke to have something to visually a visual target for yeah exactly it really helps a lot because then you know what it actually looks like in real life and then it's it's way easier to to mimic that and get it to look real when you're adding shots into well, adding smoke into the shots that doesn't have any smoke at all mm. to begin with uh, I mentioned the plagues of Egypt uh, in the intro, uh, and and you talked about the the Attenborough series. Uh, were there any other like locust swarms from cinema history or television that you used for inspiration? Uh, it was the, one of the references that we got before we started doing these effects was uh, Exodus Gods of Kings, so that's that correlates back to the plagues of Egypt again. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I haven't I haven't seen that film, but I'm pretty sure that I know what it's about. Mm. Uh, so Good. that was some inspiration for us. Yeah, but but the thing that, that locusts do is that they eat everything, isn't it? That's why they're a plague. They don't bring diseases. They just eat all your crop. No, and that's the reason why they want to... That's the whole reason why they're doing this smoke thing in the episode as well. Like They want to protect their crops because otherwise they won't have food for the winter, basically. What was most challenging and funniest part of working on this episode? Uh, I think one of the challenging parts was getting the, the hero swarm to look right in the in at least one of the few. We had like two or three hero shots that uh, we really wanted to emphasize the swarm. One of them is when our lead character is looking over the field and you see the swarm passing over the tree line approaching the, the crop. Mm. That needed to look very menacing but also cool and also a lot of checkboxes you wanted to fill with that one. And did you fill all the boxes? <laughs> I think so, for sure. I think it looks really cool. Great. Carl? I think the, I, I know for sure that the trickiest part for, for us in comp was uh, to 
make a believable integration of our rendered locusts in the plates where we had a lot of practical smoke to begin with, because then we had to come up with creative ideas on how to isolate that smoke and build some tools to... To, so we were able to specify how much smoke would be in front of the and behind mm. locusts. I think that was the trickiest part, and like so we could layer our rendered locusts in different depths inside of the smoke, basically. Oh yeah, and Johannes. Yeah, I I uh, I agree with with uh, both. Uh, like the the hero locust shots were really um, interesting and difficult. But also with the, on the comp side, uh, it was really, we needed to change a lot of uh, things in the plate. Uh, for example, we added a large shadow from the uh, swarm passing overhead. And they were, uh, the plates were shot in, in bright sunlight. And that was a big challenge as well to make that believable. Mm. Removing the sun from the plates at and also adding adding the smoke, as Carl mentioned before, it was something quite difficult. Gudbakasas has, has a long history of creating digital animals, uh, basically everything from dinosaurs to kittens. But, but I wonder, is it easier to create a CG insect than, than a, a bigger animal? I'm going to pass this off to the artists. I think uh, if we take the the outlander locust sequence, I, I would say yes, it's it's a lot easier to create an insect than uh, than a larger animal. I'm saying I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it, but now the dream is over. So let's dive into the history of insects on film. Uh, do you have any favorite insect movie? I, okay, my money that clarification are are spiders insects or are they bugs or what, what category? <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, well, they aren't insects, but but in this case, I, I think they're okay. They're eight-legged freaks. <laughs> what are they? They're, they're a family of their own. I, I think that there are insects with six legs. There are spider uh, spiders and scorpions with, with eight legs, and then there are the, the multi-legged ones like the. Centipedes and stuff. For me, I always go back. I have a quite big arachnophobia, but I can't not look at movies about it. That's the only phobias, I guess. So I, I have a vivid memory of watching, I think the movie is called Arachnophobia. Mm. Uh, and that is my, my least and most favorite horror movie because I can't watch it, but I can't not watch it if I see it <laughs> play. <laughs> I always come back to that one when I think about creepy crawlies, and it's a—it's uh, a horrible movie in a very good way. There may be some spiders around here that are very dangerous. Dad, chill out. Just run. Oh! They spread out from a central nest in a web-like pattern and dominate the entire area. <laughs> when that happens, this town is dead. Yeah, because it's also funny, isn't it? It's both scary and funny. I mean, that triggers the same emotion that like Jaws did for people going swimming. I couldn't take showers for a while because there's spiders crawling out in the shower curtains and in the drain system. And <laughs> one one movie that comes to mind for me that isn't really or that isn't an insect movie at all, but it's uh, 
the Temple of Doom in the Indiana Jones mm. series. I really like one scene that scared me to death when I was a kid is when they uh, when they find the secret tunnel in Indiana Jones room and they go down into some dark tunnel and and the female role who I don't remember place or what, like what her name is comes down there and she lights a match and you can see the like the sheer amount of insects on the floor it just that gives me the creeps and those were most probably real insects actually yeah 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 for sure I step on something yeah there's something on the ground do I step on fortune cookies it's not fortune cookies Let me take a look. They are definitely real, which makes it and like when you do stuff for real, it just it just shows. I think like mm. it's really tricky to get things believable, and you I, I can't put a finger on what it is, but when it's real, you 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 know. <laughs> Mm. I was actually going to mention exactly the same scene from from that movie. <laughs> It's so good, like that uh, centipede, like crawling into the hair or whatever. Yeah. Like oh, so <laughs> it starts itching all over the body. It's uh, it's uh, nasty. Yeah. Wait, we also have a and the kid says like, "What am I stepping on?" Sounds like fortune cookies. <laughs> <laughs> we we also have the the, uh, the ants in in the Anions and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but, but but they are they're more funny than scary. I think the ones that eat they're the ones the, that eat the people in like super speed. Yeah, it doesn't feel real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched that scene yesterday, and I was uh, I was quite amused by the like. Someone falls down into the ants, and then in a couple of seconds, half of their body is gone. Like, <laughs> I, I'm no ant expert, but I have a really hard time believing that's how it works. Yeah. So, so all of you are, are working from home uh, in this strange time uh, how is it to work on a show from your home i think the it's it's working okay i'd say the trickiest part is like communication wise it gets a bit strained because you have to really get into the routines of hanging out with people over google and stuff like that because when you're at work and everybody's at work you can just pop by someone's desks and ask them and now you end up typing to them instead mm. which come becomes a bit tedious and takes a lot of time and it's it's hard to express yourself and like so there's some miscommunication there i think but i think it's a good exercise as well because When all this blows over, I think the communication will be way better internally as well. Yeah, yeah, I can only agree. I think uh, I agree with all the points. That uh, the hardest part of, about all this is the communication. I think it's been going a little bit smoother than anticipated, getting everybody set up and being able to work from home. And then, of course, that comes with challenges. But I do really agree. I think we're going to have a lot of templates and uh, and routines in place when we come back on how we share information together with the teams and how we talk and communicate. Even though we will be together again, it's still going to be, I think, better. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah I hope so too. I, I I agree fully. Like communication is uh, is the hardest part. But I mean, uh, doesn't it feel? Do you feel isolated sitting at home? Uh, it can be a little bit. Like uh, me and my wife are working from home, so it's it's not like uh, totally lonely. But no. I guess for people who don't have a family, it's uh, it's uh, harder. Yes, these are challenging times, but but good things will come out of it, we hope. Um, We have discussed a lot about insects here today, so before we say goodbye, if you had to pick one favorite insect, which one would that be? Uh, For me, uh, I think it's the ladybug. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) They are so nice and pretty. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. The ladybugs came to the ladybugs picnic. Well, I've always been fascinated by flight and I like speed, so I would go with uh, dragonfly because they're like the fastest insects there is and can travel at over 50 kilometers an hour. And like the size of them, the, the speed sensation that you would get from traveling at 50 kilometers an hour at that size i guess would be insane and imagine those that used to live in the ancient times that had a wingspan of 90 centimeters yeah that's crazy that must have been something dragonflies are magical insects aren't they you know they they date back for 300 million years just like that yeah extraordinary what a thrill yeah, I would probably pick a, a flying uh, insect as well, but I'm probably going to go butterfly. Hmm. Every different kind of pattern, which is just super pretty. That sounds great. So so let's hope for a future project that will involve ladybugs, dragonflies, and, and butterflies. Many thanks for, for uh, taking your time and joining me here today. Thank you for having us. And you out there, thanks for listening. As usual, you're welcome to mail us suggestions or questions at podcast at goodbyecancers.com. Stay safe, folks. Until next time, goodbye. A bientôt. Auf Wiederhören. Vi hörs. Det är produced by Nils Lagen, den är det Europa. The Hjälpbrukrådet team is produced by Peter Blomstrand. No batteries are included.